0: Hello, and welcome to the Professional Outsider Podcast. I'm Megan Herndon. On this show, we discuss leadership strategies, the handoff of leadership to the next generation, and a whole lot more. We have a quick message to all of our listeners before we get started today. Do you have a question for the professional outsider? Is there a topic you would like to have covered on our show? If so, send us an email at info at route2results.com or shoot Randy a tweet at at Randy Beck. That's at R-A-N-D-Y-B-O-E-K. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So this episode today is going to go out to all of the young uh, aspiring leaders out there who are interested in becoming leaders and moving up within their companies. Um, So to start us off, let's just say you're a young person new to the company and you're interested in a leadership role. How can you prepare yourself for it at various points in your career? For example, right after you graduate college, in your first job, middle management, throughout your career?
1: I think there's some basic understandings that are important. And mm-hmm. one of those I'd say first is that leadership is about behavior more than it is about title, position. Mm-hmm. Granted, uh, you know, a senior leader with a C-level title is going to make more money, more prestige, have, more, uh, you know, be highly thought of have more perks and power and all those sorts of things, uh, you know, in contrast to somebody who's brand new on the leadership role. But the fact of the matter is those people earned their way to the top, almost always earned their way to the top by stepping up, Mm -hmm. by preparing themselves, by being smart, seeing what needed to be done and getting it done better than anybody else. So I think that plays from shop floor to top floor. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want the next better job, If you want to be known uh, as a leader, step up, see what needs to be done, get it done. I think in terms of preparing yourself for more responsibility, bigger leadership roles, read, travel, watch what people do who are successful inside and outside of your organization. Copy behaviors that help people be successful. But more importantly than that, know yourself, know who you are, know what you're really good at, and find roles where you can do what you're really good at and what you really like doing. And a part of that is defining the life you want to live and then taking the steps to move you towards that
0: life. And I think that mentorship can play a huge role in moving on in leadership and accomplishing your goals. What are some strategies for finding good mentors?
1: There's a natural law, I believe, that says we give to get. hmm Part of finding a mentor is being known as a person who serves Mm -hmm. and as a person who is worthy of mentorship. The best mentors have a lot of people that want their mentoring. And it makes sense for a mentor to not take on somebody that doesn't fit what they think can be best for the organization. Uh, Some of us have mentoring roles just by virtue of being dads, Mm -hmm. uncles, you know, grandfathers or whatever. But in a company, finding a mentor is um, a pretty big deal. Some companies have formal mentoring programs where Mm -hmm. new people are assigned a, quote, mentor. Uh, That's all fine and good. But a lot of times that person is not really a skilled mentor. They're really more of a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody to help person get their feet on the ground, know the folks they need to know, understand how the culture works, et cetera. In my opinion, a real mentor is someone who cares about the person that's being mentored living the life they want to live. Mm-hmm. And so it's bigger than just a job. You know, helping somebody be better at their job. I think that's more of a coach role, you know, and uh, helping somebody fit into an organization better. It's probably more of a coaching role.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: mentor is bigger.
0: Absolutely. And
1: the kind of mentor that I think people should look for is one who will really help them see what they might not want to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Help them move in directions that they want to move in and help them remove barriers to doing so.
0: Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but how can you demonstrate interest in a leadership position as somebody early on in their career?
1: Well, this may be a little bit redundant, but part of it is being prepared and open to opportunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being prepared means learning and growing, always learning and growing, paying attention to what's going on outside the walls of the company and understanding the dynamics and what's going on inside the walls of the company understanding things that may be outside the purview of your role and seeing opportunities within things that other people might not see. Uh, Opportunity usually, as the old uh, cliche says, is disguised as hard work. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of it. The person who takes on the perpetually broken team and turns it into a high performing team demonstrates capacity that is valued in most companies. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, Almost all leadership job interviews now include a couple of things. One, what is the person's experience as a team leader, Mm -hmm. a team member? When has this person created a team out of a bunch of disparate, smart people and gotten them to work effectively as a high-performing team? And what is the experience this person has had at creating change, leading people through change? Those are pretty much baseline requirements for leaders in organizations now. And so finding opportunities to do those things helps to build the experience necessary for higher levels of leadership opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. And as a young person in your career, when you're a subordinate to someone, there are a lot of different uh approaches to leadership. There are some leaders who are all about the big picture, some who are all about the small kind of nitty gritty tasks, but sometimes you will face a situation where you need to manage up. Um, if you face that situation, how can you navigate it?
1: I, I think the to- the term manage up is a bit time-worn. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing that I'm thinking more of is that in reality, all of us have strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, while sometimes uh, people mask them, really good bosses aren't shy about owning their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And if you're a subordinate person in a subordinate leadership role or just a subordinate role, if you can serve a weakness that your boss has, I mean, call it managing up, call it whatever you want. If you can fill a void in the organization that just simply isn't your boss's skill set, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably, works better than trying to get the boss to do something that is just not something they care about, not something they're good at. And if it's something that's important to the team, important to the business, and you can fill that void, great benefit.
0: How can you motivate team members who have been there for a long time, who are, I wrote, uh, running low on inspiration, but other people might use the term burnt out.
1: So I'm I'm a bit of a contrarian in these last two questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, on the one hand, I don't like the idea that one person has to motivate another person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, one of the, I guess it's kind of tongue-in-cheek things that I frequently say: if you want motivated people, hire motivated people, and don't do stupid <laughs> things that demotivate them. Yeah. Uh, the reality, however, is that most leaders inherit teams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And generally, when somebody's hired into a new leadership position, to be the leader of a team. Generally, people aren't hired into high-performing teams that are already highly functional Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, because frequently in that case, the leader of the team is promoted from within. Frequently, we inherit a team that's got some problems. When you inherit a team that needs to be better than it is, there's uh, a time frame that should be spent early on just getting to know people, Mm -hmm. talking with people, demonstrating that you care to hear what they have to say. Because when people are demotivated, there's generally a reason behind it. Mm -hmm. And if you have come in to make a team better, the first step is to know the people that are on the team. And not only that, but be open and authentic with them and help them know you. That demonstrates caring. And that's a pretty Mm -hmm. early step in helping a team get better and helping people feel like things are going to be better in the future than they've been in the past. That doesn't mean that there might be some team leaders or team members that have to go, mm-hmm. but you don't know that when you first come in. And sometimes leaders will come into a situation where things are seriously broken, there's a turnaround, things have to happen fast. And in those situations, it's more difficult to take the time to really get to know team members, but there's still things you can do in that situation that engage team members in the fix so that they feel like they're a part of doing what has to be done, even if it's difficult, mm-hmm. even if it requires difficult decisions, rather than simply doing it to them. Yeah, People don't like feeling that they have no input, that their voices aren't heard. Doesn't mean that you won't make a decision completely different than the common wisdom of the team, but... It helps to understand the common wisdom of the team. And there's usually some nuggets in there that will help you be more successful if you're able to listen and hear them.
0: And to kind of pivot a little bit, with or without going back to school, um, as a young person early on in their career, how can you learn organizational uh, methods and processes and basically the skills you need to run a team?
1: I don't think it can be done through book learning. Mm -hmm. I think it can be done um, through coaching of somebody who knows how to do it. Now that sounds like a commercial for our business, but uh, and maybe to a degree it is. But I think also being a member of a team and watching how things are done and keeping what's done well and throwing away what's done poorly, do it differently when you do it. Uh, that's important. I think that um, learning from people who know how to do it well, whether it's an internal coach or an outside resource I think there are courses and classes on how to effectively run teams. Mm -hmm. And you can learn the perspective skills and get some tools for making it easier to lead a high-performing team. But if you don't apply them, if you don't use it, it doesn't work. That's one of the the problems with training is there has to be a system and structure to support the application of the learning or it doesn't happen. So Mm -hmm. if a team leader... uh, goes to a very good training program and how to lead a high-performing team and comes back into a culture that doesn't value that and doesn't communicate with their boss what they're trying to accomplish and what support they need for their boss to accomplish that, chances are the learning will fall by the wayside and the team will default to the way of doing things that has always been in existence. Um, That's why in, in our leadership development work, there always has to be an executive in charge that owns the practice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: owns the application, and is committed to new ways of doing things being implemented.
0: Mm-hmm. And that actually segues nicely into my next question, which is how can you incorporate old company values with your new age skills as you take on more responsibility in the company?
1: Companies have um, values that are stated. Mm-hmm. Many have them stated written hanging on a plaque on the wall, and they're just a dusty bunch of words because nobody pays any attention to them. The values in a company, I believe, are exhibited in the way people behave. Mm-hmm. And I I would say that I, if I could be a fly on a wall in your company, invisible for a few days, maybe a week, I could probably tell you what your values are. And many companies might not like what I have to say because it may be quite in contrast to what the values are that are hanging on the wall. The best companies have good clarity around what's important, what behaviors are expected and whether they're hanging on a wall or shown in slide presentations or however they're made known to people. If the leaders in the company don't model the behaviors, don't live the behaviors, then they don't exist. So, I think if there are values that are strongly held in an organization, understanding what those are pretty early on as a young leader or important, or a person that has recently joined the company, and then figuring out how your skills can be applied while living within the reality of the values of the organization is critical. So for example, uh, you know many companies will say that... Uh, customers, uh, serving customers is our number one job. Okay, what does that really mean? And if that's number one, are you really serving customers or is that just a marketing statement for customers to see? Uh, Many value statements talk about uh, respect, respect for shareholders, respect for customers, respect for uh, employees, respect for suppliers, treating people with respect respecting the dignity of people. If that's critical to your organization, uh, people will be able to see that in the way that you talk, in the way that you interact, in the way that you treat suppliers. Uh, And I think if company really lives their values, you will not fit if you don't live those values.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. And for any uh, rookie out there who is listening to this podcast and is interested in doing something right now to get their uh, career in action or to start learning some new skills, what are three things you can do?
1: I will always go back to the this this um, alchemy or blend of what you do on the job and what you do off the job. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, off uh, on the job, find opportunities, step up, see things that need to be done, do them. Figure out ways that you can serve others to help them be more successful. Off the job, preparing yourself for the future, travel, read, put yourself in uncomfortable situations, take a risk, go to a foreign country where you don't speak the language and figure out how you're going to uh, get around on the public (laughs) transportation system. And I'm not talking about going to the major European countries where most of the population speaks english i'm talking about going somewhere where you got to communicate with hand signals and a uh, a a dictionary you're a translator yep uh, actually not a dictionary we're talking about a uh, younger generation uh, <laughs> the app uh, on
0: your phone yeah the app on your
1: phone <laughs> um and you know those kinds of experiences where we take risks and figure out that we can do things that we didn't think we could do that th- those are it's hard to tangibly figure out the value to the organization for that, but the value to the individual is profound. And just learning to take risks is really important. And it helps the person who's in the job they shouldn't be in, not stay in that job just because they have to eat. It helps the person who's in a role and uh, is on the receiving end of some inappropriate behavior from a boss, having the courage to stand up and say, wait a minute, that wasn't okay. It's not going to happen again.
0: Thanks again for your thoughts today, Randy, and thanks to all of you out there listening to our show. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, and tell your friends about it. If you're interested in bringing the professional outsider to your workplace, learn more at www.route2results.com.